Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you both here on site as well as online. And I'm excited. Why? Because it's a new series. And as soon as I get this mask off my ear, I'm good. There we go. I want to uh, encourage us in these coming weeks to really be engaged in this series. The opportunity for us to jump in and go on a journey uh, is, uh, I think, very special as a church body. And like I said, whether you're here on site or online, and to just allow God to unpack what he wants to do for us in these weeks. And we hope to also, if you're interested in being a part of a life group, to be able to even take the message from a Sunday morning and we interact more with that during the week uh, in, in uh, different kinds of life groups. But we are asking God to refresh us with a clear understanding of what it was like when he was here on earth through his son Jesus Christ. And so the simple idea of following is what we're going to be looking at. And if you'll join with me, I would just like to pray for the whole set of weeks that are in front of us. Can we do that? Jesus, you have said in your word that wherever two or three are gathered, there you are in our midst. And so this isn't just some type of uh, gathering related to uh, a group of people who've come to worship you in song. We have actually come to sit with you in a small group. And we want you to lead. We want you to speak from your word. I pray, God, wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, whether we've uh, been hanging with you a long time or we're just maybe brand new this morning, online or here uh, with others checking you out, I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself through your spirit, that, Jesus, you would become real uh, at a much higher, bigger, broader level in these weeks that stand before us because you desire for us to be in relationship with you. In your name. Amen. I don't know about you growing up, but there were different kinds of games you would play, and maybe this is going to date me, so please forgive me for that. Uh, but have you ever played that game, Simon Says? You know, the Simon Says idea is that, hey, if Simon says it, then you need to do it, but if he doesn't say it. Now, just entertain me here for a while, and uh, if, whether you know the game or not, Simon Says, touch your head. Simon Says, touch your nose. Raise your hand. I caught a few of you. Simon did not say raise your hand. Now, if you just raised your hand, you're out. So here we go. Simon says, touch your knee. Simon says, wave your hand. Simon says, kiss your spouse. Oh, there we go. How about hug your spouse? You're out. Simon did not say, hug your spouse, that kind of thing, right? So, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I grew up in church. Did you grow up in church? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But uh, in church, you sort of end up uh, playing a little bit of a game of Simon Says sometimes, except that we change it to Z Jesus Says. Jesus says to do this, right? So I got to do this. Jesus says do that. You know, you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to go to church, right? And so you try and you try to play the game of Jesus says. And if you sort of get into that game when you're younger, then you sort of start to look at other people's like, oh, you didn't do it. No, Jesus didn't say to do that. And you're doing that. And you get involved in this Jesus says game that ends up being really a judgmental game. It's like, well, Jesus says, and you're trying to practice these things, and but then the other person doesn't, and you're trying to measure up one to another. And maybe you, you stray from God for a while, and it's like, oh yeah, Jesus, Jesus says I need to do that, so I'm going to start doing that. 
Well, I want to encourage you that what we're going to be looking at in these weeks is something that uh, is not a Jesus says kind of game. Because if I can somehow try to get you to um, just move back from all the um, preconceived ideas of what you think being a Christian is, uh, what you grew up with, what you were told you needed to do or not do, um, if you could just climb back in to the original day when Jesus began showing up on the scene, the public scene, talking and interacting with people. I know that's pretty hard because all of us have some type of spiritual background. But if we were to look at how Jesus framed up things of the faith, there's there's three ways in which uh, he started to describe it. He would talk about it as a father and child kind of relationship. He would also talk about it as a vine and a branch, as the, you know, as the um, branches embedded in the vine. I am the vine; you are the branches. It was a relational kind of thing. Or in that day, there were shepherds and sheep, and it's. Hard for us to try to comprehend that kind of world because that's sort of a bad kind of illustration, right? For, for these days and age, because it's like with sheep and shepherd, but it was a relational thing that the shepherd had with the sheep. And so Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he doesn't pull out a bunch of Jesus says rules. He engaged with the people around him and upheld a very endearing kind of environment and a relationship that they should have. And he really came down to using one word. And that word was the word follow. Follow. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to we're look at places where he interacts with people and he uses this word to follow. Because you see, we can get all balled up in, in our religion or trying to do the right thing, being the right person, Jesus says, that kind of thing, looking judgmental on one another. And I'm afraid that we just made it a little bit too difficult. Difficult in the sense of understanding the simplicity. Not that it wasn't a hard calling that Jesus gave to those who He was asking to follow, but there's a simplicity to this idea of having a faith in God and a personal faith in Jesus Christ. So if you can just sort of rewind, not just back to your early years and remove any preconceived ideas or things that you were taught, but rewind all the way to that first century when Jesus was walking. We shared in men's group uh, on Saturday, which is a really a rich men's group again. If you want to come, it's at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. And, and uh, one of the questions came up about Israel and uh, have you been to Israel and have you walked where Jesus walked and what's the value in doing that and I've had the blessing of doing that twice and to be able to do it for an extended period of time and um, it made scripture come alive for me when I realized you know here was Jesus Jesus he walked along the Sea of Galilee and he interacted with people and he would call out people and visually that has settled so much in uh, not my brain and psyche, but in my heart. That this relationship, this thing that we're called to with the Christian faith is real simple. It's follow. And so we're going to look at some of those kinds of examples. Uh, the first one I'd like to look at is here today. It was one in the early experiences. And it was written in the Gospel of Matthew. 
And it was actually written about Matthew. So Matthew is writing about himself in this and when Jesus sort of came along his way. And so Matthew says this in Matthew 9, verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a name Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Oh. Ooh. Tax collectors were not looked well upon. In fact, they were sort of the low life at the bottom of the barrel in many ways. And I try to, you know, you try to think of how could you describe, oh, the tax collectors. And it's not even like today. It was far worse at that time. And, you know, the, the Roman government, uh, they uh, paid people to collect taxes. And there were all kinds of taxes. You know, there were uh, uh, bridge taxes and there were wine taxes and food taxes and property taxes and, and income taxes. Sort of sounds like California, but you know, it's, it's just a lot of taxes, right? And so the Romans would have, have, uh, paid people in these providences to collect the taxes and they would get their share. Rome didn't care about that, but they would pay these people a lot of money to collect the taxes and they would live sort of high on the hog. They were fairly wealthy people. They were always sort of sticking it to people. So here's Jesus walking by. Oh, it's one of those tax collector kind of people. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose if if we had like a, a gas station down the 7-Eleven and, and down here and, and people, uh, there were middle school kids going there to get candy or whatever and there's a 20 something guy that was sort of around the corner in a sneaky way just trying to sell drugs to him i mean you, you cringe you grieve like oh that's terrible what a terrible person that's trying to do that that's sort of while tax collectors were perceived and so here's jesus he is walking along matthew he's a tax collector what does that mean it means a lot of people were like stay away from him He's ripping us off. He's, he's not out to any good. And so Jesus, he, he takes on this initiative to engage with him. And guess what he does? Do you, do you think he walks up to him and he says, if your mother knew what you were doing, oh, I can't believe that. You just, you're sort of disgusting. Or you need to get a real job, right? He could have said all kinds of things to Matthew. But what does he say to Matthew the tax collector? He says, follow me. Follow me. Now, you got to understand that Jesus at that time as he was sort of gathering people around him and he wasn't officially on the, on the line yet of um, um, having identified the 12 disciples kind of thing. So he has a little bit of an entourage around him as following him. And can you, can you imagine someone like Peter or some others, and they're walking by this tax collector, and Jesus says, follow me. What do you think Peter thought? It's like, oh, no, Jesus, not him. Oh, don't, don't say those kinds of things. We're sort of going our way. Why did you have to stop here and engage this person? Follow me. And it's like Jesus turns at him and he's thinking, oh, these guys aren't getting it, right? And, and, and what does Matthew end up doing after Jesus said, follow him? He's like, ah, oh, forget that. I got other things to do. No. It says this. He told him, follow me. He told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Ah! Oh, everybody's like, great. Okay. 
Let them follow us. Coming along. I can't believe that, you know, we got to have them tagging along because they're not of our crowd, that kind. And so Jesus takes it a step further. And uh, He begins to uh, engage him. And He says this. If you are willing... Matthew, to give away all your money and uh, come to me if you're willing to stop that terrible trade, if you're willing to step into line and do the Jesus says game and pass a test, then you can follow me. Is that what he says? Is that what Scripture says? I mean, you can fill in the blank however you want. If you are willing to blank, then you can follow me. You see, that's how we front load the Gospel of Jesus Christ. But all through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus is telling people to follow Him and He's not front-loading it with some huge expectation, fill in the line, you know, get the correct answers on the test, then you can come follow Me. No. That's not what happens. And it's not what Jesus does for you and I as we come to Him and as we seek to be able to engage with Him and to be able to find in Him the joy and the opportunity that He plans for us to engage with. He just simply says, follow me. And so my question to you today is the same. Am I following? Am I following Jesus? And even that word following comes with a lot of preconceived ideas, but Jesus had none for Matthew. Just get up and follow me. I think I said a few weeks ago that um, I think one of the big steps for people is moving out of the God talk to the Jesus talk. And what I meant by that is it's safe sometimes to talk about Oh, God, or, you know, faith in Him, or even kinds of different religions referring to some uh, supreme entity or combination of whatever their thoughts may be. But people get uncomfortable when you move from God talk to Jesus talk. But that's exactly what Jesus, who was God Himself, come in the flesh, God in a body, came on earth. And what did God choose to do? Have people measure up? Did He choose to front load the invitation with a lot of do's and don'ts, and Jesus says, no, He chose to just say, come, follow Me. And a lot of times I read in our personal conversations, interactions, or uh, things, have you shifted from the big God talk to it becoming more of an intimate, interactive, genuine encounter with Jesus? And so when I ask you this question this morning, am I following? I'm not saying rules. I'm saying the person of Jesus. And so if you can sort of cleanse yourself from all preconceived ideas or maybe how you're walking out and get back to the simplicity of responding to a call because Jesus walks your road and your path just as surely as He walks mine. And he says, follow. What are you going to do? Oh, i got a lot of things to do. Or i got a lot of baggage I'm carrying. I don't think I'm worthy to follow you. He says, just follow. 
Now, what Jesus did is He ended up going to Matthew's house. Now, when Jesus went to Matthew's house, it says while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, there was this cringe factor that went on because it was one thing to have Matthew follow, but to go to the house, and Jesus actually did this quite often, you know, Zacchaeus, remember, hey, I'm coming to your house today, kind of ideas, like, we're, we're going to enter into your space. Entering into somebody's space is a different step. Yesterday, you know, because of the COVID journey, uh, our son Levi had a drive-by birthday party, and that was pretty cool. Some of you came and you drove by, and we hooped and hollered, and I'm sitting out there in a tent underneath the rain and everything going on. And and it, you know, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, I want to invite these people into my house," but they're just, "Hey, happy birthday, Levi!" And Levi, if you're watching today, happy birthday the day after. Birthday's pretty big deal for my son Levi. And uh, so we're uh, having this parade, and there's part of me that says, "I want to invite people just to come into the house and sit down." Why? Because because when you invite people into your space, it's defining some of the relationship that you want to have with them. And here's Jesus inviting himself into Matthew's house. And can you imagine what the other entourage is thinking? Oh, golly. It's one thing to tell him to follow, and he could have followed at the back. But now we're going to his house and other people are looking at us. I don't know that I'm going in there. Jesus, why are you wanting to associate with this tax collector and go in his house? It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with his disciples. So they went in, they started eating. Now what I find interesting here is it separates tax collectors from sinners. I mean... Tax collectors are so bad that they're even further down in the barrel than a, ta than a, a regular sinner. So it separates. And there's many there. Why? Because Matthew, that's who he's got. He's got his tax gathering friends that are in over different parts and collecting some other kinds of tax. And, and then there's some other sinners, if you will, people that really hadn't you know, had an interest in God or weren't measuring up to the Christian or to the uh, Jewish rule of the day. And so there they are. Have you ever been in an awkward place where you didn't feel like you fit in? I think some of the entourage felt that way. It's like, this is really awkward. There's many tax collectors and sinners, and they're eating with the disciples. Now we're going to see here in a second that there's another group of people that have been shadowing Jesus that are left outside and aren't really invited in. But picture that moment. Jesus. It's not the Christian faith that you know today with churches with communities of seekers or Christ followers and, and all that's going on. All the uh, 2,000 years worth of history that we have since Christ's uh, life, death, and His resurrection, and, and uh, Christmas, and Easter. and uh, This is the incipiency of the Christian faith. And all that it's about is Jesus asking people to follow, entering into their space, and catch this, he feels comfortable with them. This is not awkward for him. Some of the people he feels awkward with are the people that are standing outside. 
And so Jesus, if He was walking physically the Temecula Valley right now, where would He find His footsteps going? And whose houses would He be entering into? I'd like Him to come to my house, but then I have to check my own heart. Is, am I the kind of person Jesus would just feel comfortable being with? Because that's what He was establishing. He wasn't establishing a religion. He was establishing relationship. And when you move from God talk to Jesus talk, when you move away from the Jesus says, Jesus says, or Jesus says, don't do that, that do's and don'ts, to an understanding that you're just going to stand up and you're going to seek out what He's all about, then things start to change. The dynamic starts to change. And you move away from the religion. And you begin looking at the relationship. So let's look at the group outside. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked His disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So they're following from a distance. They're religious heat people. They've, their whole life, they're just doing good. You know, trying to do good, obey the law, and get other people to obey the law the day religiously. And they follow Jesus. They're not invited into the tax collectors, and they're on the outside listening in. And, and I don't know, maybe one of the disciples came in and out, and they said, Where did you do that? Why does he go in there and sit with those kinds of people, those tax collectors and sinners? All right? And what does Jesus uh, he, he, he's hearing this and um, he engages it. And I don't know if he's instructing them, oh, tell those you know big elite people out there this or that. But it says this in verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, Jesus is pretty comfortable in this environment, right? He's interacting, they're eating, you know, he got the... People outside in the shadows trying to get a scoop on something and put out some news. And he's so comfortable that he just sort of shouts, Oh, tell him that I came. I came uh, uh, not for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. Now, what would you think if you were Matthew? What? What? The sick? Are we sick? And. You know, he's got his buddies around there. Are we sick? They're like, and, and there's a fence that could be taken to this. What are you calling this out for? We're sick, right? And, and then all of a sudden, Jesus probably says something like, duh, you're tax collectors. It breaks the ice, and they're like, oh, yeah, hey, we're sick. High fives around the room, man. There was this recognition of who they were, and he had the ability to just clearly state the way that things are. And so he's got this um, dialogue going on in some multiple directions. And the dialogue isn't just with the reality of uh, him talking to uh, Matthew and the other tax collectors maybe to follow him. It's not just the dialogue that's happening with the other entourage, those who have been following some. He's got this dialogue going with those who are standing outside who are the religious, judgmental, People. Simon didn't say to do that. Simon's, oh Jesus, what? They were rule keepers. And Jesus didn't really want to associate with those religious people. He wanted to associate with the sinners. He felt comfortable with them. And I just say, 
Hey, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. And somewhere in that moment, there began to have this comfortability. Remember, we're talking about Matthew, who Matthew wrote one of the Gospels that we are given. But this was his journey. This was his initial encounter with Jesus. What was your initial encounter with Jesus? Or maybe it's ongoing right now. You know, it's like you're trying to move away from just the God talk to understanding it, and you know Jesus was the Son of God, and you're trying to figure that out. Well, Jesus through His Spirit comes to you and I. And guess what? He identifies with us in our sickness. He's not expecting you to clean it up when He meets you. There's no fill in the blank. And then you can follow Me. He takes another statement out to the religious elite. He says, Go! And learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, he, he says learn because that's all that they do. They sit and they learn uh, the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. They're learning. They're learning about God and His redemptive plan. Yeah, but then they fall into the rules, the do's and don'ts. Yeah, we got the Ten Commandments. we got all other kinds of commandments, all these other kinds of Jesus, God says kind of things. Uh, and that's their world. They're consumed with learning. And he just said, hey, you tell them as you're only going out there. And he knows that they're hearing them. They ought to learn this. They ought to sit down and study this. And he quotes the prophet Hosea, which is, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then he goes on to accentuate it and try to get you know it a little bit more clear. And he says, for I have not come to call, come to call. And that's key, that come to call. Come to call the righteous, but sinners. What do you think the Pharisees did on the heels of that? What do you think Matthew and his friends did on the heels of Oh, well, we're sick. I guess we're sinners. Hey, another round of high fives. Well, as evidenced by what we know happened to Matthew, they were willing to own that they were sinners, that they were sick. And I think there's a key to that, and we're going to look at that in a second. But Jesus articulating this and declaring them that they needed to understand that He came for a purpose, and that purpose wasn't to institute a religion, but that purpose was to change people. But the way that Jesus was going to change people was radically different than how people were trying to uh, change other people that day, especially the Pharisees. And this is a marked difference in Scripture. The Pharisee says, change first then you can come join us. You change. Then you can follow. But Jesus flips it around. And Jesus says, join us. Join us. And you will change. Join us and you will change. Because when you come into that relationship dynamic, change can start to happen. But there's you know, no need to front load the invitation. And this was a radical difference because they were living under the oppression of the law, the oppression of rules. Who gets to, to walk in this temple place? And who gets to offer this sacrifice? And who can't offer that sacrifice? And, and who uh, is, is earning stripes with God by doing this protective uh, performance? 
It was all about rules and rituals and routines. And Jesus, the Son of God Himself who created human beings, and yes, they fell in their sinfulness, He enters this broken world, He looks around, and then He looks at the people who are trying to bring change in the religion world, and He just must drop His head and get sick inside going, no, you've got it wrong, Pharisees. You don't clean it up and have them change before they can join. They join. They begin to follow. And then change can take place. I have come to call. I have come to call. Jesus is still doing that here this morning. Have you heard His voice? You chose to come for some reason. To worship God. To maybe hear of truth. Maybe to see somebody be encouraged. You've chosen to dial in online. You're watching uh, from your living room or wherever you may be at. Why are you doing it? Jesus will tell you why He came. He came to call. And as we prayed, He is in our midst. And He is still doing the same thing today until He returns. He's walking. He's talking. He's loving. He's embracing. He's showing a different way. Come. Follow. I want to give you just some few points headed out as we begin this series. And the first is this, concerning following Jesus. Number one is being a sinner does not disqualify you. It is a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. There is not a sin, a habit, an illness, a brokenness, a disability, or anything that you carry that keeps you from following Jesus. And you may say, oh, I, yeah, I got to fill in the blank, clean it up. I got to get it. No. Jesus said, just come as you are. Matthew, follow. I'm going to come to your house. You identify maybe with a sin or troubled error in your life. That is actually really, really good. Sometimes I look at our culture and our day and age and what's happening, and maybe you have observation too, and I'm not throwing out there some big uh, judgmental kind of statement. It's just an observation. Does our culture today readily identify with their brokenness and falling short, being a sinner, if you will, like maybe they used to in some prior days. I think there's this uh, permission giving and this uh, latitude giving where there has been no declaration of right and wrong kind of things, not in a judgmental way, but there, there is a way that seems right into man, Scripture says, and in the end it leads to death. And there's a lot of ways that are seeming right into people this, and they don't reckon with where they stand. To follow Jesus, you need to reckon with where you stand. A sinner is not disqualified. A sinner is actually the prerequisite. And so the more you identify with your brokenness, your fallenness, your sinfulness, and, and how you, you miss the mark is what sin is defined as, then the better for you. But the question is, where do you turn with that? 
Do you just say, I'm a hopeless case and continue to indulge and become, you know, more and more dependent, whether it's on a, a bad relationship or a chemical addiction or whatever it may be? Is, is, is there that just turning like, I'm a hopeless case? Or do you realize that when you identify with your sin and your brokenness, it actually moves you to the opportunity to see change happen if you choose to follow? So number one is just simply this as we walk through these weeks. Being a sinner does not disqualify you. Qualify you. It is a prerequisite. And number two is this. This is even more interesting and a little bit harder even to say. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. None of Jesus' early followers believed. You know, you, you can go like two years into the story of Jesus and the gospel, and it says, having seen this, they believed. And you're like, what? What have they been doing for two years? In fact, there was one of the guys with them that had a nickname. You know what it was? Doubting Thomas. You ever heard that? That's, that's not a popular term. It goes back to the Bible. There was actually a guy named Thomas who was following Jesus, and he was still not a believer until he saw the, the nail prints in his hands and the, and, and the spear placed in the side when Jesus was crucified. Doubting Thomas, you don't have to believe to follow Jesus. Now that sounds like, oh, where's that pastor going? That sounds like heresy. No, not when you understand how Jesus operated in that day. He said, follow me. And they were trying to figure it all out. Who is this guy? You see, Jesus was a rabbi. He was seen as a rabbi, so he was giving teaching and instruction, except that Jesus was more than a rabbi. Yes, they'd hoped that he was the coming Messiah, but they still didn't know, still didn't believe, right? Now, after the resurrection, I would think that it would have been a lot easier, right? It's like, man, the guy died and he rose from the grave. You can't top that. I believe, man. But for these early followers, they had a lot of doubt. They had a lot of skepticism. I don't know what was in Matthew's mind, being a tax collector with one of the many sinners, but he was not a believer when he chose to follow Jesus. And I think this was one of the critical things that we need, not only for ourselves, but maybe as you're trying to reach your friends, your family members. The invitation to follow... The invitation to follow is not front-loaded with either the need to clean up your life or to believe. In fact, I don't even know that you need to believe that God exists to follow Jesus. Like, what? But I'm not talking about someone who's become a committed follower of Jesus. I am talking about someone who's checking Jesus out. And so even someone who doesn't believe in God or believe that Jesus was God or who He claimed to be, just open the Gospels as the invitation and begin, uh, maybe there's something that you can find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the, the four books in the Bible that talk about Jesus' life here on earth. And just read it. Just get to know Him. Just try to figure this out. I'm going to get up from my tax collector table. I'm going to get up from my office desk. I'm going to you know, walk out of my bedroom. I'm going to sit down in the living room chair. I am going to take initiative to seek to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, who He is. And maybe there's some type of little nugget I can gain from reading through the Gospels to, to discover what God wants for me in my life. But I am not uh, 
going to believe until somehow I see and I can have faith. That's okay. Permission given. Maybe you're new to our church environment here at the Awakening. You know, our, our statement is to become fully alive in Christ and to His mission. Well, we're not front-loading anything with that. We're just telling you that we believe to have a full life. Jesus says, you know, come to me that you may have life and have it abundantly. Uh, we believe that when you begin to seek Jesus and follow Jesus and learn about Jesus, you will find your way to change because he will change you. And then you will find yourself at a place of belief. But there is no obligation whether here or online, and we're starting to have different people that are even in faraway places listen now online, you don't have to even believe in God to follow Jesus. Just check Him out. Start learning about Him. Because Jesus' invitation is join us, and then you will change. Join us and seek Him out. And the One who came to call will call you to himself so being a sinner doesn't disqualify you being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you but then this next one is really critical the invitation to follow is an invitation to relationship next month my wife and i celebrate three years of marriage in those years of marriage, I don't get up in the morning and check a list of do's and don'ts. Now, she might think I should, but uh, the relationship is not defined by a list of rules. What kind of relationship is that? And so Jesus, His invitation is not an invitation to rules. And religion, like we mentioned, it's an invitation to relationship. Moving from the God talk to the Jesus talk. Moving away from the Jesus says kind of game to the invitation is so, so critical. And I've seen it time and time again in my life, friends. If you don't move into the vibrancy or the realness of the relationship dynamic, you won't be hanging around the church. You won't be hanging around uh, the faith very long. Because it's burdensome. It's burdensome to have faith outside of a dynamic, fully alive relationship with Jesus. And so this invitation for 2021 is an invitation to follow in a relationship. And let that relationship foster. There will be highs and lows. There will be ups and downs and things you don't understand and this and that. But you'll do the dance. You'll work it out. And there will be change that comes along the way. I change not because I have to, but because I want to for my spouse. I change for the Lord Jesus, not because I have to in order to follow, but because I want to. Big, big difference. Some of you have those kinds of stories in your life. And then fourth, pretty key. Well, let me mention this. This aspect that when you have this relationship, it's not God's judgment and fear that leads you to repentance. As it says in Romans 2.4, God's kindness leads us to that repentance. And that repentance is found, that kindness is found in a relationship with Him. And then fourth and final is this. Following Jesus. Following forces me to focus on where 
I am rather than where you are not. Oh, you're out of the game. Go sit in the chair over here. No. When you're focused on following, it's about where am I at? What's going on with me? Jesus, what are you calling me to? What, uh, how do you want to encourage me today? The focus becomes not on judging other people. It comes on the intimacy with Jesus. Friends, with Matthew and many others that we see throughout the Gospels, and we'll be giving reference to this, it's simply put, and, and it actually is the first step on what we refer to as the pathway of discipleship around here, is that you are called by Jesus. And you're called to Jesus. Can you keep it simple in your own life? Can you keep it simple in the lives of others you're trying to influence and encourage? It's about relationship. It's not about changing others or even changing yourself. Because you can't. But Jesus can and as you come into a loving relationship with Him and He begins to encourage you and point some things out and you begin to hang with Him, you start to say, yeah, I can't. I, for the love of me, I shall. For the love of you, I even shall do greater. Jesus is calling you to follow Him. And I invite you into that journey of following Him one of the ways that you experience the kindness of Jesus is by being close to Him. You know, this COVID journey has put a lot of pressure on all of us for church environments and coming, going. Is it going to rain? Not going to rain? How are the decisions going to be made? How's the best way to do social distancing? Should I reach out my hand to shake someone? Oh my gosh, I need to have the mask on. I, I see all the relational uh, inhibitions and changes kind of thing coming. But as we look at this year, we've got to understand people need to come into proximity to Jesus Christ. And do you know how people come into proximity to Jesus Christ in one way today? It's not just by reading about Him and praying to Him and seeking Him and listening to Him. It's by being close to His body. Because His body is supposed to exude who He is. And no church is perfect. Maybe you're new here this morning. I'm sorry to tell you this church is not perfect. The pastor of this church, I'm not perfect. But we seek Jesus. And as His life is lived in us, not only as individuals, but as in family units and as a church family, there should be a magnetic power that draws people into His community and His richness so they understand and they appreciate the kindness and the encouragement. And we have to practice the presence of Jesus in our own life to be able to practice it with others. Maybe at your work, maybe at your school, even if you're online doing work in school, that kind of thing. You can be the body in the presence of Christ. I want us to be that because people are drawn to Jesus when they see Jesus. The people that were not drawn to Jesus were who? The Pharisees. The rule keepers. The judgmental people. What do we find in our culture today? Yes, Jesus is offensive. Truth is offensive. It's hard. Those kinds of things. I understand that. But there were crowds that were around Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. This entourage. He'd have to withdraw to lonely places to engage back in ministry. Why? Because God is attractive in all of His beauty. 
And God says, they can't see me, so I'm going to put myself in a human body. And that human body is going to walk and talk and embrace and encourage. And the kindness of God is going to lead people to repentance today. Not trying to get them to believe the right thing or stay in the right party line or whatever it may be. Jesus is attractive. May it be so with us as a church this year. And may we find people drawn to follow Jesus at whatever their stage are. You don't have to check all the boxes. You can be here for years and still not be a believer that He's the Son of God and who He claimed to be. That's okay. Permission given. A safe place to hear the dangerous and transforming message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We've encouraged in the last few weeks that um, we need to step up and see ourselves changed personally for this year through prayer and devotion life, through being involved in the community. And all I can say is this, that the more conscious I am of the work that God has yet to do in me, the less critical I am of what God has yet to do in you. And one of the attractive places to be drawn to the kindness of God it's not a permissive place. It's just, oh, you know, whatever you believe, whatever you want to do. Like, no, no, the scripture is true. There's a way that seems right into man, and it, in the end, it seems death. But let's not be a place that's judgmental, but let us be a place that's loving and letting the spirit of love change and transform people. And so the more conscious I am of God's work yet to do in me, the less conscious I am to be critical or to think of God's work that has to happen in you. And one of the things we uh, would just simply challenge you with as we close out is this question, am I following? Am I following? And you can carry that with you for the whole series. It's just a question. You don't have to answer it now. Rooted. We've highlighted rooted in these last few weeks. And all I can say rooted is a 10-week experience to follow Jesus. doesn't mean you have to be a Christ believer. Just come. Check it out. A community of people that hopefully can love and encourage. His kindness, I believe, will draw you. It's a broken group every time we do them. We've done many, many rooted groups. You have a book. You have a group, a weekly experience, and you have some other experiences that you engage in outside of the group experience with one another. But it's a journey. The last rooted group I led, some of you are in it. We're in it. I sat there my wife wasn't able to be a part of that group too much because of some challenges going on at the time to, to be able to make it in. I said, I don't know any of these people. These people are all sort of new. Come, follow, Jesus says. Do you have some friends that need to check out following Jesus? Maybe you ought to invite them. Just not to church. Maybe to a group. Say, hey, would you go on a 10-week journey? What's that mean? They're going to judge me? I'm feeling awkward in groups. Sort of like in Matthew's house. No. Come and see. Check it out and see if following Jesus is something for you. If you're interested in Rooted, I just simply encourage you to text the word Rooted in your name to that number there on the screen. And uh, we'll follow up with you. Last week, we also challenged people to be a part of church membership. And it's like, well, 
Yeah, I don't, is that necessary? I'll tell you what. There's something about a defining moment where you get out of the vague clouds of your good intentions and say, I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ. And uh, we had 17 people, I think, last week sign up to be new members. That's pretty cool. Um, maybe you're thinking about it. There's the commitment forms on your way out. You can fill one out and take that step and put it in the basket. That's cool. Or you can text the word family and your name to that number as well. But we're going on a journey, friends. I'm done with COVID. What I mean by that is it's just all-consuming in the minds and the media and everything. Praise God there's a vaccine. I know there's issues concerning the vaccine for some groups of people, and that's understandable. You let people be where they're at in their own lanes and as they're seeking the way forward. There's a need for us to be much more cautious in an environment like this because of um, the need just to protect the sanctity of other people. There are decisions made at government levels, both nationally and statewide, that do have important ramifications in our own life. But I'm tired of COVID. I really want this year to be focused on the kingdom of Jesus. This COVID thing will run its course someday. But if anything, it's done. It's shaken up our society and culture. What is important? What do we need to be focused on? And so when I chose to take on this series, it was, you know, for 2021, I just want to get back to the basic, simple thing of what it was when Jesus showed up on this earth and He said to people like Matthew, tax collectors and other sinners, follow Me. And the question comes, am I following? Lord, here this morning, we thank You for just hopefully being able to rewrite or reset our vision and our understanding for what the Christian faith is. Lord, may we find ourselves in the simplicity of a relationship with You at whatever place we're at. Whatever history we have or don't have with church, or with You, God, may there just be the simple calling that we hear to our inner spirit and we carry to our friends to say, I'm willing to follow. So Lord, may Your blessing abide. May we return next week to dive even deeper into an understanding of what You did when Your feet hit this ground on this earth and You interacted with us sinners. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. And uh, we will see you next week and continue.